Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hello and welcome to Attacking Third. I'm Sandra at CBS Sports. NWSL lead writer joined today by Lisa Roman, my colleague and co-host, NWSL analyst and broadcaster. We have to give you a show note prior to the rest of today's episode. Some breaking news which occurred detailing further investigations with the Washington spirit. We provided listeners in our episode today with an extension of the timeline of things going on with Washington spirit. And of course, like all things news broke after we recorded that segment. So the league today released the conclusion of investigations into the Washington spirit and the allegations around former head coach, Richie Burke. They released a statement stating that he is officially terminated from the Washington spirit. The termination was based on violations from the investigation that Burke had violated. Um, he was terminated for cause that he had violated things in regards to the current anti-harassment policy that exists for the NWSL. Along with the consequence of termination to Burke, the league issued additional consequences to the Washington Spirits. They issued the franchise a ban for all league governance matters, which was ordered effectively. And they issued a 14-day deadline to the club to a response for the violations. Lisa, it's never ending, it feels like. It is It is never ending. And we talk a lot about what has happened at Washington Spirit in, in the main part of this episode that'll come later. But this breaking news, uh, we were we were waiting for it. We knew that the investigation has closed. And now with um, this statement, honestly, from the league is is fascinating. And there's there's a lot to break down here. And uh, Sandra, I'm going to use you as our expert and just fire some questions at you. So the main point of this is Richie Burke was originally just put on suspension and now he is officially terminated. Yeah. So for people who have been following along for our listeners who have been trying to keep up with the timeline of things that have been going on with the Washington spirit, Richie Burke and the Washington spirit initially had a different um, exit plan before the initial investigation began. So what was issued was that he was going to step away from the club due to health concerns and then possibly return to a front office role in case things got better. Then the investigation was launched after reporting from the Washington Post, which we go through in in some of our previous episodes. So what was issued there was essentially a suspension while the investigations were ongoing. So now that the investigation has concluded, they determine that there was enough there to warrant a termination for cause. 
So now that he's officially terminated, um, also the third point in this statement was essentially that the Washington spirit has been removed from league discussions at that table. Um, and that looks to be indefinitely moving forward or, or how long do we figure that that suspension is for the club to be not involved in those league conversations? Well, one of the, the initial release stated that it was put into to, to order effective immediately and further reporting from Jason Anderson out of black and red United local reporting for uh, local reporter for the, the spirit basically got clarification on that and said that this was currently indefinitely in terms of the ban that is in place for the spirit. Uh, and what that means is they no longer have that seat at the table, like you just alluded to. The governance, uh, the league governance meetings take place between NWSL board of directors and commissioner Lisa Baird alongside trying to make decisions that could potentially affect the league. And ownership, the franchise, is not going to have a role or have a place in those types of conversations moving forward due to these investigations. How does that affect the players at the Washington Spirit, or does it even affect them? You know, it's hard to gauge right now. There's about five weeks that are left in this regular season. This is a team, this is full of players on a roster that went out and picked up a win after nearly a month of not playing competitive soccer. And uh, it was not easy for them, but they picked up a narrow win, right, against the last place team. And there's a lot of having to do what's considered like blocking out the noise, right, that is with all the stuff that's happening off the pitch and the things that they can only control on the pitch in terms of how that relates to the league governance, uh, governance band. I mean, that could come into play further down the line when conversations around something like an expansion draft or other things that could potentially affect the league in a larger scale, including all of the clubs, um, could come into play. It's, 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 it's tough to not have a seat at that table if you're literally ownership of a club. One of the last things in the the press release from the league that really um, it, it kind of stuck out to me was that um, the league has initiated, quote, a process pursuant to which Washington Soccer Properties LLC must respond to the violation notice issued by the board within 14 days. So the Washington Spirit Club must respond to the violation um, issued by the board within two weeks. So w what does that mean? What kind of response are they looking for? And perhaps what happens after two weeks? Well, what we know for sure is that it's a deadline. So if, if a league, if the league is putting a deadline in place to the franchise, that means what we know for sure is that there's going to be some type of additional news that is going to impact the future of the club in this two week period, um, whether or not spirit, the spirit franchise is going to be utilizing this entire 14 days that will all stay tuned for that. And that will yet to be remain to be seen. Um, but it is a 14 day period. Uh, for me, that reads, there's a lot of speculation out there of what to try to interpret that, interpretate what that means. Uh, but putting a deadline on it is significant from the league. Uh, part of the reporting that's been happening around this club is the fact that it is happening in the time that it is occurring and that it is so late in the regular season. Um, the league concludes its regular season on October 31st. Playoffs begin in November. And then even at the conclusion of playoffs, if the Spirit find themselves in a deep run within the playoffs, 
uh, and things conclude, there's an expansion draft on the horizon on December 16th. And that's something that is going to impact all clubs. So putting a two week, a 14 day deadline on this is very important. What we're going to see come out of that is something that we're all going to have to stay tuned. So no matter what comes out of it, the league is going to be involved in some capacity. So there's either going to be additional changes at the Washington spirit, or there is not. And if there is not, the league will be getting involved. When it says respond to uh, the violations, does that mean the spirit must deny, uh, accept, or what happens if they don't respond in 14 days? Do we know? Uh, not that it was issued in their release initially. Uh, as of right now, like I said, that's that's what they, they released. There's, there's always going to be that conversation about um, transparency and what yeah. that means for people. For a lot of people, um, the lack of transparency might mean that they want a detailed report. And unfortunately, for legal reasons, the common public probably won't get that um, due to the victims that are involved. Mm-hmm. Quite frankly, there are privacy <laughs> issues at hand. Mm-hmm. Um So in terms of responding to the violations, the league is essentially referring to the violations that they've issued to the spirit already. Which uh, I I completely understand and and respect the privacy, especially of the victims that have come forward and confessed, whether it be on the record to the press and to the media or even just um, inside these internal investigations to make matters a little bit more concrete for uh, the personnel that are doing the investigation. So um, makes sense that we won't get too many answers because it is a, a an official investigation uh, around the anti-harassment policy. That is, this is the first year it's put in place. Is that yeah. why most of these things are now uh, being un- unsurfaced, especially at, at the Washington Spirit and why this is all being uncovered? I think that's a huge reason why. Mm-hmm. That's a huge point as to why this is all happening. Uh, there wasn't an anti-harassment policy in place prior to this year. And sometimes when a policy is put into place, there needs to be some time to be to allow it to run its course and do its job, essentially. And what we're seeing today are some of the effects of that. Um, that there was an investigation that was done. And for people who aren't familiar with the process now, because there hasn't been this uh, policy in place in prior years, um, all of the investigations were done via a third party. So these investigations were not conducted directly by the league. They were not conducted directly by the Washington spirit. They were done via an independent third party. And these consequences were based on the results that were found of the investigations of a third party party um well so we'll we'll expect to hear more uh, from the league from the washington spirit at least in 14 days time uh from from when this news broke which was september 28th um that's it that's those are all the questions i had for right now sandra so i appreciate it thank you no of course i mean we're all in this together we've like lisa you and i have been coming on um attacking third it almost sort of feels weekly now trying to do our best to keep our listeners and our audience engaged and up to date and so with us having our midweek episode this week and still continuing conversations about the washington spirit and additional updates with that timeline this news broke and we just wanted to make sure that we hopped back on and provided the extra update for folks ahead of this episode. So as you're listening to this next episode, this next portion, you will get additional details in the timeline occurring with the Washington spirit. So enjoy that. And we also have our additional mailbag segment and some other fun stuff lined up for you all. So enjoy. 
Hello and welcome to another episode of Attacking Third, a CBS Sports Soccer Podcast. I'm Sandra Herrera, lead NWSL writer for CBS Sports. Joined today, as always, by my colleague and co-host, Lisa Roman, NWSL analyst and broadcaster. On today's episode, we are coming with you uh, with the news and notes segment and our mailbag segment and a little bit of a surprise segment at the end. We'll keep we'll keep that a surprise for now. But first, a quick reminder to everyone to follow us on Twitter at Attacking Third. Also, please go to our YouTube page and hit subscribe so that you never miss a new video, an interview, or whenever we go live. You can also catch great highlights, extended NWSL highlights over at youtube.com slash attacking third. Lisa, how are you doing today? Sandra, I'm good. It's good to be back chatting with you. Um, we got some fall weather in the Philadelphia area, which I'm pretty pumped about. Sweater season is coming, but you know, I'm good. Just going with the flow. How are you? I'm doing good. I feel like we're very, we're very autumnal right now. Like you're rocking like a nice, like orange top. I've got like my yellow Jordan <laughs> like, I like kind of it. shirt on it. Like we're very fall. Right I've now. added pumpkins to my background. Oh my God. We're fall. like, we're being like, I had we're being like fall basics, like autumn basics, <laughs> and I'm fine with it. I Thank love you. fall. I'm here for it. I love fall. I'm excited about it. And uh, <laughs> fall always means that uh, playoff season is usually right around the corner. And uh, we're keeping an eye on that as usual. Uh, but I really love our midweek segments, Lisa, because they are typically our NWSL news and notes segments. And we are have incorporated the mailbag segment. So we usually take some questions um, that we've been given from our wonderful listeners. Um, and we get to chat a little bit and have a little bit more fun and keep things a little bit more loose. Uh, so just to keep everybody updated, let's hop into the news and notes portion of this episode and unshockingly there are some more Washington spirit things that we have to discuss with everyone because in our previous news and notes episode uh, last week, we went through a little bit of a chronological order timeline of events um, because it's been a chaotic couple months uh, for, for the Washington spirit. And we just tried to, you know, we wanted to have a place where listeners can go to and, and just sort of uh, get, get the rundown of things kind of chronologically. Uh, but after that episode, a, a couple of other things uh, kind of came to light as well. Um, for starters, as some of you have already heard already, they returned to play. So they returned to play. They picked up the victory against Kansas City and WSL. That was huge. It has kept them in uh, playoff positioning and has kept them in the playoff picture overall. Um, but within that as well, there was uh, some media availability leading up to this match day with interim head coach Chris Ward. And during that actual media availability, some breaking news happened, and it was essentially a league director that was issued. The league issued a suspension to spirit backup goalkeeper Devin Kerr for failing to follow uh, team staff directives. There wasn't a lot uh, more specifics other than that within this release, uh, but Devin Kerr felt that it was necessary to go on out there because people like to react very quickly to the most minimalist of news, and uh, Devin Kerr went out there to sort of, uh, you know, pour some water on the flames there and tweeted the following in reply to uh, the league's announcement of this uh, to circumvent all the DMs and assumptions I am getting, some of which are quite aggressive. Yes, I am a fully vaccinated player. And no, I have never tested positive for COVID. Thank you. Uh, this uh, one game suspension that she ended up serving against Kansas City and WSL coming in light of all of these reporting and allegations. I'm um, talking about like 
spirit players who are and aren't vaccinated. Um, the continued uh, reports about how did an outbreak happen? Um, some things coming into light with additional reporting uh, from Equalizer about how uh, there was a player who traveled out of market. That is a believed uh, root of all this. So uh, can hardly blame someone like Devin Kerr feeling like maybe needing to to get out there and then uh, speak for themselves in this one. But um, tough, tough to sort of see something yeah. like that drop and then just sort of have like a very quick line of, of text. And it's going to, again, um, that's going to lead to people to, to make a some sense. And it's unfortunate that she felt that she had a hop online, so to speak. Yeah. Well, she, she felt she needed to defend herself and say, listen, I, I don't have COVID and I never did. Um, the, the article written by the Washington post that really dove into this story said that, um, people familiar with the situation said that Kerr violet violated the pandemic protocols by traveling when spirit players were supposed to stay in market, which we had heard all of those rumors. But then another person said, reported by the Post, that Kerr had been told by team official that it was okay to travel out of market. So lots of back and forth there. He said, she said, going back and forth. Um, and the spirit was fined $25,000 for the protocol violations ultimately. And then having to place the blame on a singular player to uh, receive a suspension for a game. And that happened to be Devin Kerr, backup goalkeeper. So I'm, I actually like that she defended herself online because the internet can be really mean and really cruel. And I can only imagine some of the harsh things that were coming into her inbox and her DMS online. And for her to just say, listen, fine, but this is what actually happened and this is where I am. I'm vaccinated and being very upfront with that information and I've never tested positive for COVID, but yeah. this, this story, it keeps going. It is yeah. not done being written yet by any means. Stuff like that, it always has the potential to possibly impact things on the pitch because we've been talking a lot about so yeah. many off the field things occurring with the Washington spirit and one of those things being COVID eventually trickling into the picture with this ongoing saga and also affecting them on the pitch, essentially having to get those two forfeitures and drop two games. Uh, so big for them to have something like this happen and get, you know, the, the one game suspension and then still kind of go out there and pick up that win and stay in playoff position against the Kansas city NWSL. Uh, but essentially after the weekend's uh, matches that took place, there was additional reporting uh, via Washington post uh, with co-owner uh, Y Michelle King releasing a letter um, calling for controlling over Steve Baldwin to sell the team to her um, after allegations of a toxic workplace for women. Um, the letter was uh, posted. It's, it's circulating around Twitter uh, right now. It is available within the Post article as well. Uh, but within that, um, it was a very detailed letter. Uh, within that, it's it's almost like uh, it's a di it's directly to the spirit community. Almost uh, mm -hmm. is sort of the way that it reads. Um, talking about the environments that were in place, um, King's. Uh, King's attempts to try to establish relationships, you know, personal relationships, working relationships uh, with staff and, and by extension, even players. Um, and then wanting to essentially apologize to the, lar the larger spirit community and sort of lay an outline, list some bullet points of what she would like to see happen uh, moving forward with this franchise. So it's sort of, um, as an I feel statement, it kind of gave me the impression um 
that this particular owner uh, is still very invested, invested into the Washington spirit in their future. Um, so, yeah, that that dropped uh, on Monday for folks if they're still looking for the timeline of the news. Yeah, that it was a really powerful letter as long. It is on Twitter. I, I highly recommend you go read it. Um, Sandra and I are trying to summarize it as best we can. But she basically Kang basically calls for majority owner Steve Baldwin and CEO to step down and to sell his shares of the club to her. Um, that's what she asked for in this letter. She she actually says, quote, I call on Steve Baldwin to put the club first and honor the commitment he made to Commissioner Lisa Baird and me on August 13th. So she calls him out and says, sell the league, sell the team. Um, she herself is a CEO of a healthcare technology company, and she bought a stake in the Spirit team a year ago. Um, and then the Spirit investors, when when women um, CEOs and owners and investors were really starting to have an influx in the NWSL about a year ago, that's when she bought in. And some of the investors are prominent political figures, Chelsea Clinton, Jenna Bush Hager, uh, Brianna Scurry, who is a former U.S. Women's National Team goalkeeper. So all of these women are in high, powerful positions within the Spirit organization. Um, and Kang is now making her her voice known. They also said in the end of that Washington Post article, it also said that the results of the investigation opened in August against former head coach Richie Burke, the allegations of verbal abuse, and then also the allegations that recently surfaced by multiple females employees of a toxic uh, boys club culture at the club um, that the results of the investigation are in. They just haven't been made public yet. So that right. will be coming. Um yeah, and that was a bit of news that was dropped via yeah. the match. Again, yeah. it was Washington Spirit versus versus Kansas City NWSL. And, you know, at this point, uh, it's if people don't know, you will know now a lot of the the matches are the production behind them are via the league. So if this is coming from this particular match, there's some credibility to that. And the play-by-play -play announcers addressed it at the top of, of the game, saying those investigations have concluded and that there was going to be additional information within this next week. So this is obviously still something that we are paying attention to closely and just sort of maybe seeing the conclusion of what that means to those investigations. And those announcements that the broadcasters read at the top of games or at the top of halftime, they are emailed and printed direct from the league saying this is what you we want you to say about this situation um speak from experience i've been handed yep. one of those reads before so that's that's how it goes it comes directly from the league this is how we want you to uh, handle this situation because as broadcasters, our, our job is to just talk about the game, the players on the field and really not what's happening outside of the field. But sometimes these issues become so big that it affects the play on the field. So it needs to be addressed. So that's where that read initially came from ahead of right at the start of kick for the Washington Kansas city game. For sure. As, as always, we're trying to keep uh, the listeners and the audience uh, up to date and engaged. And so it's time for a quick plug People really do want to take a look at the chronological order of things. If not listening to me and Lisa is something that you are into, you can actually find a timeline of events over at CBSSports.com with what has been going on with Washington Spirit, stemming all the way back from August 10th to now in September. Uh, I think the last update was on the 27th with this um, with this post letter from from Michelle King. Uh, and it's written by our very own Sandra. 
She does a fabulous job. Go <laughs> read it. It's a great article. <laughs> yeah, check it out. It's going to be there for everybody. Uh, but yes, again, just keeping everybody updated and we will continue to do so as the uh, news continues to drop. But first, we're going to take a quick break before we start getting into the mailbag portion of this episode and some other fun stuff that Lisa and I have cooked up for everyone. So we will be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lisa, listen, before we get into this next segment, I think another thing that we got to keep going is celebrating joy. I remember when you got engaged, I wanted to make sure that we talked about <laughs> it. And you know what? Casey Murphy went ahead and got engaged. She got it. She, she posted an engagement post. So congrats to her and uh, Chris Mirabelli on, on their engagement. So celebrate it. Celebrate the joy. Celebrate the good times. Huge excitement. We love engagements. We love happy news and we love celebrations. It out From her post, it looks like it was their anniversary. They were in nature on a hike. Maybe she looked very surprised. It The pictures are adorable. I love happy moments like that. Happy moments of love too. So congrats to Casey good and her, her fiance. Good stuff. We also like having those nice happy moments to talk <laughs> about on Attacking Third. So shout out to uh, shout out to the lovers on, on their engagement and giving us the opportunity to chat a little bit about it on the episode. But let's get into this mailbag segment. We're loving it. Folks, if you are not aware, you can leave Lisa and I a question as part of our mailbag segment. And the way you do that is by heading over to Apple Podcasts, you leave us a five-star review. If you leave us a five-star review with a question, we will make it a part of our mailbag segment. So we really do appreciate everybody who's been doing that, checking in and throwing us a couple of questions. We've had a lot of fun over these last couple of midweek episodes where we've been able to introduce this. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to be taking this one question for our mailbag segment this, this weekend, and we're going to you know, roll it over into like a fun little end of the month segment that we're doing. So our first question and only question this week is going to be from Holly. So shout out to Holly for dropping us a line via the Apple podcast rating system. Her question is as follows. Their question is as follows. How does NWSL compare to other women's leagues around the world in terms of competition, skill, style? So pretty open, direct question, Lisa. This is honestly a question that I feel like we've been tackling a little bit more probably in the summer especially when the women's ICC uh, tournament was taking place and then the inaugural women's cup was taking place you and I doing a lot of content around that we had a lot of different conversations with a lot of different players whether it was on the NWSL side of things or European uh, based players with uh, Paris Saint-Germain or Bayern Munich you know so on and so forth Barcelona, tons of different perspectives that we were getting. And we talked a lot about that. And we actually heard it from these players themselves, um, kind of echoing some similar things that we were chatting about when we were breaking down the games and analyzing them and, and critiquing them. Um, but I like that there's a comparison component mm -hmm. to this question. It's not so much about like what's, it's not like what's the difference <laughs> between NWSL and something like uh, the, the, uh, the French League. 
right? It's not like, what's the difference between NWSL and Women's Super League in England? It's like, oh, like, what's the difference between NWSL and, like, Liga Iberdrola in, in Spain? Yeah. Like, what's the difference? No, it's like, no, no, no. It's like, how do you compare the NWSL to other women's leagues around the world in terms of competition, skill, and size? So, Lisa, how do you compare this league to other leagues? Well, I think it stems back to uh, well, watching other leagues for sure. And if you go to Attacking Third YouTube page, we have women's qualifying matches. So you get to see a little bit of international play from around the world. But um, going back to the WICC and the Women's Cup, watching these teams play, we've talked a lot about like the details and how European clubs tend to be more technically skilled than the NWSL teams and players, whereas the American players are a bit more physical, um, aggressive in that sense. They're fast and they're furious in, in their direct pursuit of goals, whereas European clubs tend to keep more possession of the ball, passing it around and, and looking to build up the field. But I think one of the biggest things when I look at league play is uh, we've been hyping on this all season with the NWSL, but the standings are so close and they really are because this in the league, there's 10 teams and there's probably seven or eight that are really, really tight. They could be number two in the standings. They could drop to seven. They they move around so frequently because the competition is so high and there's an even level of skill among the teams. Um, in years past in the NWSL, there have been powerhouses in Portland Thorns and North Carolina Courage, which they're still really good squads and really good teams, but there are other clubs. I mean, we've seen OL Reign. They're number two in the standings right now and Gotham, a team that is making themselves known Houston. So, the, I think the biggest comparison is that in the NWSL, the competition between the different teams is higher than it is in European clubs. Because when you take a look at the English Super League or the German League or the French League, there's one or two clubs that really stick out at the top that tend to win those leagues year after year. Um, and the competition throughout that league isn't as strong as it is. Whereas in the NWSL, it is a different winner every single week, week in and week out for these teams. So that is the biggest comparison when I take a look at European leagues and the NWSL. Yeah, I think, you know, if we're playing like a comparison game, I think it's easy to lean one way or the other and say like, oh, they're like, you can't compare them. They're not comparable. But what I'm really enjoying especially in recent years is the overlap that's happening between a lot of these leagues. Um, and we saw, and, and it comes in, it comes in phases. It comes in certain types of waves. So we saw in the beginning stages of NWSL when this, when this league first was founded, it was founded as like sort of a, you wanted to have a professional league for your, your American players to always have a place to continue their, their development. And that kind of got expanded into like a larger, like kind of CONCACAF aspect. And so this league was sort of founded for with, uh, you know, allocated American players and then by extension allocated Canadian players, which that system is still in place. And there was also the Mexican women's national team mm -hmm. as well. That was a part of that. Um, Mexico ended up pulling out. There was a number of 
you know, things in play there in terms of lack of playing time for their players and not seeing the investment there. And then there was also the other Spider-Man meme pointing finger where it was like, well, it's really just about money for the Federation. And you don't like the fact that you have to pay your players to play in this league. And there was a lot of like back and forth. And ultimately they, they pulled out ahead of the um, at the conclusion of the 2015 season. Um, and then moving forward, like seeing a lot, a lar- like a bigger influx and more impact from like Australian players in the league. Um, and there was not, there was a time in NWSL where you would point to every single club on this thing and you can point out and see, and, and it's like, look at the, there's the Aussies, there's the Matildas, you know, on this. And then there was like this, at the time there was a sort of, um, this sort of kind of hybrid schedule. We also saw a lot of NWSL players in the off season head over to Australia and play in W league. So you saw a lot of sort of league regulars heading mm-hmm. overseas. Maybe you didn't see somebody like an Alex Morgan or see somebody like a Martha head over to W league, but we saw, uh, we saw a lot of regular, more uh, kind of veteran type players at this point, head over to W league, you know, people like, you know, players like Danny Colaprico or somebody like in like in Aaron Wright or and then in uh, you also s- saw the Australian players that were playing in NWSL, you know, back in their in their home league. So that kind of was like a, a, an interesting period of time there as well. And like now we're also starting to see a lot of NWSL players like head over to England in, yeah. in Super League. And like the, the biggest name out there right now is, is Tobin Heath with Arsenal. Right. So what I'm enjoying in playing this comparison game <laughs> is a lot of the overlap. Like watching Jennifer Marozan and Eugenie Lesomer, Sarah Buadi, like coming over from the French League and like integrating into All Rain and playing in NWSL, and not just playing in NWSL for like a short like summertime loan. Like, hey, we'll see you later. We got to go back to the French League. Like, no, it's like they came in to link up with this team during a tough part of the schedule, like on the brink of Olympics and then say that they were going to stay through the remainder of the season. Um, so while the year... It, it didn't happen overnight. The integration no, no. didn't happen overnight. There was a, a bit of a learning curve for the players and for the team to come together. And after a, a few months of it and, and a few weeks, now look at the results we're seeing. This last weekend, um, OL Reign just dominant. It's beneficial. You know what yeah. I mean? Is, is, the, is the ultimate point that I'm, that, I'm, that I'm getting to here. It's like seeing the overlap is important because when you're playing this com- comparison, there's always like this, there's this like, let's like put it out there. There's like this like American mentality of like, we're number one. And like, there's like a constant like measure, right. Of like setting, setting the bar. Uh, but I'm enjoying this current state of like non-men's and women's football where we are, watching players move from league to league country to country, mm-hmm. testing out the waters from a lot of different areas and really getting into and involved in other teams in other countries and in other leagues. I consider NWSL the most competitive. Yes. I wouldn't say that it's necessarily the best because what, everybody's level and measurement of best is different. So if you are someone who's like your eye is on a closer view of like the technical, like the technicality, like formations, like the coaching styles, like maybe you're going to keep a closer eye on a different league. Honestly, quite frankly, if you only have access to a certain type of league, that's probably going to be the soccer that you pay more attention to. That's just sort of where we're at right now. We're covering these leagues. Um, but in terms of uh, competition, 
I'll narrow in on that one. I feel like NWSL kind of stands out from others as well. We are down to five weeks in the regular season, Lisa, and nobody has clinched a playoff spot yet. I know. Nobody's clinched a playoff spot yet, and the middle portion of the table from three through six is completely narrow. It change. It is changing week to week, and I think it's going to continue to do that all the way through the uh, the closing, uh, uh, the conclusion of the season. So uh, that's where I compare NWSL to other leagues. I consider it the most uh, competitive. It's it's not the league that I think of when I think of um, stylistic, tactical, mm-hmm. and technical. No, no. It's not. It's not. I'll put it on blast it's right not. now. But it is the most com- physical and competitive to me that I think for sure. Um, so shout out to Holly for the question. We always enjoy these. It gives us an opportunity to just sort of chop it up and talk shop. And we are going to introduce a new segment for everyone. It is officially the end of the month. The next month coming up is October, the final month of regular season action. So we wanted to take a look at the top players of the month positionally. So we are going to give our listeners each of our top four picks for a top goalkeeper, top defender, top midfielder, and top forward of the month. So Lisa's going to hit hit you guys with some options. I'm going to hit you guys with some options. We did not talk to each other about who we were going with. I'm a little <laughs> curious to see if some of our stuff lines up with each other. I'm also very curious to see if they're completely different. I'm into that. But I wanted to, you know, talk to Lisa about introducing this kind of stuff with you. And, uh, yes, it's coming at the – Later end of the season, but better late than never. Hey, give us a break. We got rolled out during the Olympics. Uh, so we want to keep this going. We want to keep this going. And if you all enjoy it, let us know and we will uh, keep it going and we'll do it for October as well. Uh, so, Lisa, let's start. Let's start with what we, I think, both consider the toughest position in soccer. Let's start with goalkeepers. In the month of September, who is your top goalkeeper in NWSL? So I had... Bella Bigsby at the top of my list uh, with this one. I also had Casey Murphy. Now, Casey Murphy was on a very big shutout streak that got squashed during this month of September, which maybe makes me take a a step back when looking at her and what's happening here. Um, Jane Campbell is also on that list. Now, I really did try to separate my international play, especially national uh, U.S. national team players from the NWSL elite because those are different things. They're very different things. If you can perform on the national team, but you're not playing for your club, then like you don't get to qualify. Um, and also as a reminder, Gotham barely played this month and Washington Spirit barely played this month. That's that's true. But in they defense of play. Gotham, they are the only team. Defense of Gotham. I'm talking about Gotham. I know Washington didn't play. In defense of Gotham, they're one of three teams that went undefeated in the month of September, even though they only had two games. Yeah, they only had two games. That's not, hey, they still weren't defeated. All right, fine. I'll give that to you. So technically, these squads did play, but how many matches did they actually get? So my goalkeeper, I think I'm still going to go with Casey Murphy. Despite uh-huh. losing her shutout streak, I I think she did fantastic in goal. Um, and to have a shutout streak is just really impressive in this league. I'm, I'm digging it. I'm going to go with Kaylin Sheridan. That's what I'm going with. Yeah. Two games. I just, I just, this team, Gotham FC, they have been doing spectacular things on defense this year. They're, when they're all together, even in their, when they're being rotated, they have been producing some spectacular organized mm-hmm. defense this year. Arguably the best defense in the league this year. 
they have struggled to pick up those crucial wins. A lot of it maybe kind of came in light of some injuries hitting the team, you know, with their attacking players and more on the offensive side of things. But it is tough to make sure that you, A, either get a win or B, do not lose. And <laughs> Gotham have, have been very good at that this year. And Kaylin Sheridan heading off to the Olympics and then coming back in, not losing a step, not losing any form. I'm going to give it a Sheridan in this one. All right. I like it. I like it. Should we move down the pitch? So defenders next. Yeah, let's go defender. Who do you got for? I know we're both excited about this. Uh, we love defenders. You're a former defender. Hit me. Who do you got for def- defender of the year? No, defender my of the year. list for defenders of the month was so big and I had to <laughs> narrow it down. I'm not going to lie. One for some. No, I know, but it's just really hard to do. I looked at the Gotham backline and Estelle Johnson. She's good, but they only played two matches. So like, does her average calculated as someone else's average? She played four matches. Um, I think Aaron Wright had a fantastic month. I think she did really, really well. I think Kelly Hubley has also played very, very well and very consistent. Um, I I don't know. One, Lisa, one. I know. I think I'm going to go with Aaron Wright. All right. Chicago. Well, all right. You'll love to see it. She had a strong game on the flanks uh, for the team, both defensively and getting involved in the attack, which, again, stemming back to Holly's question, talking about stylistic things, America's soccer do like to get their outside backs into play. A whole, I, I also a whole had while. Kristen Edmonds in this mix, but she's truly played all over the pitch. Yeah. Um, so because of that inconsistency in one position, which is not her fault, if anything, it's a strength. I just went with the solid defender. Well, let me tell you, Chicago is going two for two in the defender category because I'm going with Sarah Gordon. Okay. In this one. I think that when it comes to that back line for Chicago, what we're talking about very consistent defenses, like somebody uh, like in a team like Gotham looking at a team like Chicago, when you're looking at that back line, even when they had defenders missing for the Olympics within this month of September, Sarah Gordon still remained that consistent component to the back line. So I'm going with the center back and Sarah Gordon uh, for defender of the month in September. Let's move to the midfield. I want to, there's a lot of talented midfielders in this league. Too many, quite frankly. There's too many. There's too many. Uh, not enough, you know, teams to see all those great uh, defenders, but the league is working on it, I guess. And uh, let's see for this month of September who you narrowed it down to, Lisa, for midfielder of September. I had a hard time looking away from OL Rain. I'm not yep. going to lie. Quinn, fantastic. Yep. Jess Fishlock has been fantastic in the yep. midfield as well. Um, I think Denise O'Sullivan is really fun look in the midfield. Um, but I am picking uh, Ali Long. Okay. Gotham. Gotham. Ali Long. I, I love watching her play. I, I think she does such a tremendous job in the midfield of being the connector and being the huge presence to break up. Uh, she's yeah. a defensive midi, so I'm going with her more defensive mindset than someone like a Jess Fishlock, who is very creative and gets into the attack. So I pick Ellie Long. I think that that's a, I think that's a great choice. I think even with the measurement of the two games, it's consistent. Mm-hmm. Ali Long has been like a consistent present for Gotham yeah. in that midfielder and has really changed the way they look and do things in the middle of the pitch uh, with her arrival. So I don't, I think that that's a, a solid choice for sure, but there are, you're not, <laughs> you're not there's so many 
strong defenders in this league. So many, there's so many midfielders who had great Septembers really, because so many of them are hitting this playoff push. Their Olympic players are reintegrated back in that chemistry that we thought that maybe it might take a little time for it to click back together for some teams. Looks like it's finally settling in. Mm-hmm. And it did come down to two players for me. I love what Quinn is bringing for OO ring during this stretch of the season. It is apparent when they're on the pitch that they're doing their job. When you have other midfielders, when you have other players in in, in front of you or to the left, or to the right of you, and some and someone like a Jess Fishlock or somebody like a Marozen, who sometimes has played higher, you know, for mm-hmm. for the rain this year. Even within that rotation and that constant movement on the pitch, Quinn has been essential. You know that they're doing their job when you don't really talk about them. Yes. Making any errors or glaring mistakes. So he, but it was it was tough. But my my thing for this part, the reason why I didn't go with Quinn. There's a lot of talk about Quinn, but I didn't I didn't go with I went with another consistent player that I think is not getting a ton of attention. Even though I feel like I talked about this player, you know, enough on on this podcast specifically, but I'm going with Morgan Gattrall of Chicago Red Stars in this one. And I, I echoed this. I don't know if you remember Lisa, but I echoed this during. You talking about the Chicago Red Stars? No, no, no. Morgan Morgan Gattrall specifically. I, during our, I believe it was our Olympic exit episode. And we talked a little bit about players in the mix and players who were doing good things for their club and and what that looked like and who we could maybe see in the national team mix again. And I had said then, and I'm just going to echo it now that Morgan Charles having a very quiet NWSL or NWSL MVP level type of season Yes, for the Chicago Red Stars. That's the other thing about midfielders who are just sort of go out there and, and do their jobs or do them so well that maybe people aren't talking about it. And I'm including both of these players that kind of on that, on that same uh, spectrum in, in Quinn and Gatra, but it, I feel like it's more noticeable when a player like Gatra is missing for mm-hmm. Chicago red stars and how they look and how they play versus somebody like Quinn and the roster that <laughs> exists for all range with so many of the stars across the board. So Gatra's absence for uh, the Chicago wrestlers is far more noticeable than it is, you know, I think compared to maybe some other um, teams out there. And I thought that she had a great September for this team uh, and helping them go undefeated because <laughs> that's one of the other teams that went under. There were only three teams that went undefeated in the month of September. And that was the rain that was Chicago and that was Gotham FC. So I'm going with Gatra for midfielder, but let's have fun. Let's talk about some forwards. Let's have some bangers. Like, what do you got for your forward? Lisa. Mine was easy. This was so easy for me. Bethany Balser. Okay. Mine too. <laughs> that's so the easy. one. <laughs> she has just been tremendous. And that's probably why in my head I couldn't pick an OL Reign yeah. midfielder because yeah. immediately I was like, oh, well, it's got to be Balser up top. She's fantastic. Um, yeah. She's really gotten better each week in this league. And it's a consistent getting better, which doesn't happen to a lot of players. A lot of players have highs and lows. And she had some lows at the start of the year and she's worked her way through them um, and just done a fantastic job. And now she leads the league in goals. She's our golden boot leader right now. But I like that you picked her too. Yeah. I, I had a feeling that this was going to, if out of all the positions and mm-hmm. all the players who play week in and week out in this league, that this was the position that we were probably going to agree on. 
Bethany Balser's progression in this regular season mm-hmm. has been amazing to witness. We're talking about an OL Reign team that stumbled out of the gate in this opening regular season. They had trouble. They had a win. They they picked. They had an impressive win early against the Thorns. They had a few draws, right? But struggled in their attack and struggled to continue to pick up consecutive wins. It led to some disappointing results. It led to a coaching change, quite frankly, for this club. And mm-hmm. Bethany Balser had to sort of work her way into form throughout the duration of this regular season. And we are starting to see this player regain that 2019 rookie of the year form who just Kate, everyone was like, who is this player who came out of nowhere and is lighting it up. And it just sort of feels like a similar vibe in uh, 2021 where OL rain kind of had that slow start. Bethany Balser is getting uh, starts again. She's getting uh, extended minutes on the pitch with all rain again. She's connecting well with her teammates around her. We're watching her get service from everyone, whether to mm-hmm. mid or her outside backs and connecting it away. So I, it was an easy choice for me too. I went with Balser. For sure. This was fun, Lisa. Let's do it again. I hope that we get some good feedback on it. I hope people enjoy it and we get to do one more for October. What do you think? I I loved this. This was really fun. And it's so nice to look back at the month and, and players do have highs and lows and to really highlight them if they had a great month of September. Yeah, well, let's do it again in October. All right on. I'm here for it. Hopefully everyone sticks around. I want to thank you all for listening. I want to let you know that you can follow us on Twitter at Attacking Third. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere you listen to your podcast show. If you leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts with a question, we will answer it during our mailbag segment. I just want to remind you of that. We're also available as video, so please subscribe to us on YouTube. Visit youtube.com slash Attacking Third for extended interviews highlights and more. And we will be back Friday with a weekend preview of NWSL matches. For Sandra Herrera and Lisa Roman, this was a second.